Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is the Game Football Podcast from The Times. Today, the knockout stages are underway and it's an early goodbye to Wales, who've been given the Vikings hammer by Denmark. Elsewhere, heartbreak for Austria as the Italians march on. And we'll look ahead to a huge match between Belgium and Portugal. This is the game Euro 2020. And if you've been enjoying our Euro 2020 podcast, make sure you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times right now for less than a pound a day. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. I'm Hugh Wizencroft in Amsterdam, just about losing my voice, having screamed at the referee during the Wales-Denmark game. Uh, Joined by Alison Rudd, Ian Hawkey and Tom Clark. How are you? Not too bad. Bad you, thank you. Very I calm. I, I, I discovered I did have an Austria flag after all, so it didn't I didn't it didn't matter who won. <laughs> this is all about your your tourist attraction of a house adorned with flags. You've now rotated. Yeah, I've rotated. Got 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 a new a new batch up. Then you have to think ahead, always thinking ahead. Because I've got eight windows and there'll be eight teams, and I have to be able to be accurate. That's very exciting. So when it gets down to the semi-finals, do you lose? Do you just go to four? Does it narrow yeah. in and then center in on the ha- on the house with the two windows at the very center? Is that how it works for the final? Oh yes, oh yes. Excellent. Oh, you should do four <laughs> windows with one flag and then four windows with another countries. Just keep all the flags in every window. Just you know, spread it across. If you know, what I mean. <laughs> Does that makes sense. Standards, standards. It'd be, no. be hard work that. <laughs> Let's talk about it. One flag coming down, Wales. Hammered 4-0 by Denmark. I was devastated. I've been on this journey. I've gone to Baku. I didn't go to Rome, but I was, you know, Wales had a special place in my heart, clearly. You know, I changed my name from H-U-G-H to H-U-W. That's how much I cared by deed poll, just because, you know, Wales had treated me so well during this journey. And I'm absolutely gutted that Denmark won the game four goals to nil. And I know so many neutrals love Denmark at this point in time everyone's favorite second team like we've already mentioned but today Rob Page's Wales 
they never really got going. That was the saddest thing about it. Not necessarily getting knocked out, but never really being in the match. Ian, did you watch it? What did you make of Wales' performance? Uh, yeah, very, yeah, very disappointing. And um, I, I don't know. There was a slight dread that that something like this could happen to Wales. And I think I think more of a dread when it, 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 this Wales looked very vulnerable the minute the first eleven are, are disrupted. I don't know if you agree with that. And and they were when Connor Roberts went off, and you know the unfortunate Nico Williams made a mistake for the second goal. And I, I don't know. I just I, I got the sense right from the beginning that the first eleven were trustworthy to an extent, and they obviously had one one very good game in them against Turkey, but. But, but as soon as you started uh, peeling back the first 11, then, then they were going to look very ordinary and, and Denmark were going to look terribly ordinary. The thing that I've always thought about Wales is that they never really felt like the plan B was evident. You know, so often in, in international football, and I sat down with Dean Saunders, the former Wales striker at dinner last night, and I said, if Joe Allen got sent off at nil-nil after 75 minutes, what would you do? And I played out loads of scenarios with him. What would you do if this this player got injured after this period of time? You still had 11 players, but what change would you make, etc.? And the only reason I was asking was because I didn't know what Rob Page would do. If all of these things that happen during tournament football get thrown at you, how does the manager react? And I didn't really have a clue what he would do in the moment of, of adversity. Well, you're quite right. You're quite right, Hugh, because, yeah, I mean, you, you were very prescient because Robert Page did not know what to do. It's one thing to be outclassed by the opposition, but it's another to not react to what the opposition are doing to you. And I was interested in his post-match comments, Robert Page was, I mean, and he's very entitled to big up his team and try and maintain um, a sense of how well we've done. But he was painting a picture of, oh, you know, did you see how Denmark reacted to our shape and we dictated the game for 25 minutes? Well, actually, it was, it was, it was, so, it was like listening to someone who's had just had, you know, one moment of glory on stage at a pop concert. And, you know, when, when someone asks you to come up and sing and then you stay on too long and they realize you can't sing after all, they did not, they did not, they kept doing the long ball forward. It was re- re- very repetitious. And yes, Denmark were adaptable and we saw Christensen go into um, midfield almost permanently for a period of the game. Well, that might well be flattering for Robert Page to see Denmark do that, but then he did not react to it. It was, it was, it was, it was, they were, you're absolutely right, Hugh, they were very static and almost refused to believe they needed to change. So that was the most disappointing thing, I think, their inflexibility to think on the spot, react to the moment. We had an interesting subplot with this game, in fact, because the two managers, had the tournament taken place last summer, wouldn't have actually been in charge, Rob Page and Casper Hulmond. And Casper Hulmond made that change that you mentioned. And it the, the biggest thing for me was it didn't just bring Denmark back into the game on a level footing. It took Denmark from being totally outplayed to totally outplaying Wales. And I totally agree with you. Rob Page did nothing about it until it was far too late. Tom Clark, what did you make of the game? I think you're very right, Hugh, and Alison as well. The most disappointing thing was the lack of counterpunch, particularly after half time. I think everyone was kind of willing Wales to get in at just just 1-0 and regroup. As Ian says, the, the injury to Conor Roberts had a big effect. But the other thing for me was that as well as tactically, there didn't seem to be much composure. The players themselves seemed to lose their heads a little bit. There was lots of kind of 
the decision making was pretty poor. The game management was pretty poor. They didn't kind of stay in the game, even at two nil when, you know, fine, you might get a goal from a set piece and then you're always in with a chance. They gave away a lot of silly free kicks. There was a lot of petulance. Okay, fine. The red card was was probably pretty harsh, but they seem to lose lose their heads and we've praised them so much for both their tactics and Rob Page seeming like he knows what he's doing with his starting eleven, but also for their team spirit and looking like a really, you know, cohesive, well well worked unit. And that all seemed to fall apart today. That that was the most disappointing thing for me. I felt Wales were very impatient as well. There was uh, there was there was something very rushed about them. There was not no composure on the ball. There didn't seem to be a sense of hang on, take a deep breath, get a few passes together, uh, mix up the form of the attack. And no matter what they did do, they did it very quickly, as though they were operating in a different time zone. And they, you know, if they didn't get a goal for X minute, it would all be over. Um, it's almost like they overdid the the team spirit thing in a way that the, the, you know we were all together and we've got passion. Well, sometimes you have to remember. Okay, you might have passion, but you have to be able to put your foot on the ball and think and think about it. And they do have players who can pass and have the ability to find that through ball or the intelligent pass and move it around. But it was all. It was just. It was just very rushed, strangely rushed and lacking composure. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me because if Wales get the first goal in a game, it's very different to a game in which they go behind. They're used to not having much possession, but they're actually very good out of possession usually. And that's quite a comfort zone for them. They can get a goal and then sit back and they've done very well, not just under this manager, but previous managers with that approach. So if they went out and said, look, let's try and get the goal in the first 25 minutes, first, you know, half an hour, you know, we can definitely manage the game very differently. And obviously when they went behind, I mean, it, it seemed like everything, every plan that they had had gone out the window. And that's why, you know, I don't want to be critical of Rob Page. He's been thrown into this situation, but, you know, you want the manager to react. I've spoken about Gareth Southgate in the past and his lack of reaction in previous years. You know, it's not just him. There's other managers in the tournament. I think that's where there's going to be a big difference as this tournament goes on. You know, the managers that are prepared to change immediately. Andreas Christensen didn't just get pushed into midfield. Um, Kasper Hulman actually started warming up a holding midfielder who's going to substitute him. You know, it wasn't just like, we're going to play a player a little bit further forward. It's like, well, if we're going to play a player there, we need our best holding midfielder. We don't need a centre-back there. You know, he did it eventually, you know, stay on for most of the game, Christensen, but um, but you could understand that he was ready to, to do the drastic change. Go on, Tom. Well, yeah, you, as you, you're kind of hinting at it there, it, it struck me as a manager, and Mark Hughes said this on the punditry as well, as a manager who'd already thought of a plan B well in advance of the game. It wasn't a reaction. It, it can be seen as kind of a reactionary thing of someone stood on the touchline. But I wouldn't have been surprised if he actually turned to his assistant and said, yeah, you know that thing we said we might have to do where we move, you know, change the system at the back. Let's do it because it's clearly just not working. It looked like a pre-planned change almost, something that they thought about. Maybe they'd even agonised over, should we start in this setup as well? So, you know, we're talking about Rob Page not reacting during the game. Denmark clearly had already kind of had two plans for the game going into it. One other thing I was interested in, and we talked about this before the game, kind of how, how Wales would be perceived playing against everyone's favourite team. What was the atmosphere like there, Hugh? Because I was quite surprised by the kind of level of animosity almost towards Wales. Because, you know, we knew that they weren't going to be the team that the neutrals wanted. We knew that Denmark would have good backing. But it sounded like it was quite quite almost intimidating for a, for a group of players that 
you know, some of them are championship level, that kind of thing. What was it like? Well, uh, they were roundly booed, probably more booed in the game against Turkey where there were more fans and it was an even more partisan crowd mm. because so many fans had travelled from from Turkey to Baku, which isn't too far away, of course, uh, to see Turkey play. Um, and maybe their fans are even more passionate than the Danes. I was very surprised when they booed all of the Wales players, particularly Gareth Bell. I mean, he got roundly booed as soon as he came out onto the pitch. This is before the game. You know, he hadn't even put on his training kit yet just for a little wonder by the fans that were inside the ground. And I was like, has, has Gareth Bale done something to the Danish fans? I was trying to rack my brains because they seemed to absolutely hate him. Um, it was like we were in Copenhagen. I mean, that was the atmosphere inside the ground, to be perfectly mm. honest with you. There were about... 60 Wales fans, you know, all of those people, all of those people probably either had gone from Baku to Rome and straight here. They hadn't been to the UK for the past couple of weeks or they lived in, in, you know, Amsterdam or in Europe and they'd made the journey here. And of course, everyone had poured in from Denmark over the last 24 hours and the whole stadium. I mean, I've got to say, they absolutely milked it at the end, the Denmark players. <laughs> they were out there doing, I'm not even, I don't even know what was going on. I was in the stadium, obviously, for a long time afterwards. I mean, Martin Braithwaite went out, I'm talking about 45 minutes after kickoff, took off his entire kit down to his boxer shorts, gave it away to fans that were still there. The Marler, the Mailer, the um, fullback, was doing like sprints end to end, geeing up the crowd. You'd think they were off to the final. It was genuinely like that was a semi-final and they booked their place in the final. It was so weird. I mean, look, they've had their fans for what is virtually four home games now because they've had 99% of the fans in the stadium for basically all of their matches. So maybe it was like a fond farewell. Thanks for supporting us because none of them are going to Baku, let's be frank, you know, and maybe they'll be able to make their way to Wembley. But look, firstly, I should say the tournament was very unfair to the Wales fans, the red wall, because they barely got to, barely any of them got to go to Baku. Then they went to, to Rome. There were a few there and they weren't allowed to travel here to, to the Netherlands. And, you know, for these Wales players, this entire tournament, the maximum number of fans they've probably had at any games about 300. And for me, that's just a little bit ridiculous. You know, I, I know the plan was made for this tournament a long time ago, but maybe just a little bit unfair. Um, anyway, let's move on. Ian, I want to ask you about Gareth Bale. 31 years old, the captain, the talisman, wasn't great today, let's be real, but he wasn't the only one, um, walked out of his post-match interview with the BBC when he was asked if he would be retiring from international football. Totally fed up. Firstly, was it a fair question? Secondly, can you understand why he reacted like that? Um, uh, yes, I, I mean, it was an entirely fair question. And I, don't, you know, I think the BBC wouldn't have been doing their job properly if they hadn't asked. But, you know, he's not obliged to answer it. He's also, he's not really obliged to to have a a clear view on that within minutes of the final whistle is he so so i you know i think we i, I don't think we need to necessarily assume he's being secretive maybe he's also being very diplomatic it's probably not the time to announce that is it um i mean gareth bale in the past has after big games if you remember uh said things that didn't really reflect very well on him uh probably within, I don't know, 40 minutes of that beautiful goal in Kiev in the Champions League final. He, uh, he said he was going if he wasn't picked, um, picked properly in the team the following season, which, was, which, which, which struck the wrong note. He may have had a point, but it struck the wrong note. So, so I can understand why he wanted to keep his, his counsel. Um, and yeah, he was, um, yeah, he was disappointing. 
Um, it, it, incidentally, he was booed quite a, quite a lot in Rome as well. I think it's well, it's it's the standard thing for the superstar, especially if you're the sort of lone superstar in a team. And um, and the Italian fans were booing his every touch at the beginning, but I think the fact that he didn't touch the ball for about the next half an hour, they sort of lost interest. Um, and and uh, yeah, well, he you know he he can't do it alone, can he? He can't, no, but I don't. I, I personally don't think it was a massively fair question. Um, he's 31 years old. The World Cup's next year. He's the captain. He's the best player. In the Euros, which will be in three years' time, the next Euros, he'll be 34. I mean, we're not talking about someone who's, you know, Ronaldo's not going to be, well, he probably will be because he's 36, but he should be, you know, asked about his international future, Cristiano Ronaldo, for example. But Robert Lewandowski's older than Gareth Bale. And when Poland got knocked out, you know, the questions weren't, are you ever going to pull on a Poland shirt again? So why does Gareth Bale get it? Because it, it is partly Bale's fault for doing this whole, you know, I've got an announcement, you'll have to wait and see, it's going to rock the world, I can't reveal it now. If you're going to say things like that, and you've said, I'll wait until the Euros are finished before I tell the world my plans, you're going to ask questions. I mean, the questions could have been even more personal than that, couldn't they, you know? You can guess what I'm thinking. But I mean, it, it, it's, it's the, if you build it up and then the moment comes when you said you'll reveal, people are going to ask. Maybe he's just building Tom. up to a big haircut. I don't know. It's been, it's been a long time for that kind of top, top knot man bun thing. Maybe he's just going to shave it all off. Maybe that's the big reveal. Just kidding us along. He is totally, totally <laughs> bald under it, to be perfectly exactly. honest. That'd be quite the yeah, reveal, so wouldn't it? it? Let's that, be honest. that would be a huge reveal. Mm. I mean, obviously, we're, we're dwelling on Wales quite a lot, but we should say, before Alison Rudd gets in and says, I told you so about Denmark, they were excellent, weren't they? I mean, this was a performance that was beyond the spirit of Denmark and the kind of the momentum that we talked about. I mean, that was the, that was the next topic, Tom. You know, if you want to host the podcast, <laughs> feel free. I'm just, I'm just making you know, sure... You don't have to pay me anymore. It's fine. I just didn't want you to kind of get too bogged down in Gareth Bale theories. That's all. I was just making sure we we're going to come on to Denmark. That's all. We absolutely will. But just finally on Gareth Bale, I wanted to know, wrong answers only, what do you think his big reveal will be? Tom says his hair. Alison? I can't say I'll get sued. <laughs> Ian, I suspect, I suspect that it's it's not as certain and and well known as he may have led some people to believe. I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how how firm the decisions he may or may not have made are. He is still under contract to a club with with which he has a very diff, difficult relationship. I think. Um, you know, I think. I think possibly there's quite a lot to sort out with Gareth Bale before before this big reveal becomes a genuinely legitimate, decided big reveal. Now, I could be proved wrong within the next couple of hours, but but I suspect maybe it's not so simple. Well, we'll see what Gareth Bale does with his future. And by the time you're listening to this podcast, maybe he has already retired from international football, in which case, forget the last five minutes or so. But now... Tom Clark, you know, if you want to introduce the Denmark section, you no, can. No, you I can do it. it. I, don't, you. I don't want you to okay. get. I feel like I've upset you. I'm really sorry. No, we've no, had, no. We've been getting it's on fine. so it's well fine. during the Euros. You, <laughs> we've barely argued at all. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. 
you'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Alison Rudd weren't Denmark fantastic. <laughs> Indeed, they were, and they were extra, extra fantastic because they had um, they had injury worries and they had they had problems, yet more problems. And I think when people found out that Poulsen was out, it should have been kept quiet. You thought, oh, you know, you know, this can't keep going. Vass was out. Oh, you know, what are they going to do? So Dol- Dolberg came in, Larson came in, and they both played incredibly well, so well that you did not even once think about the missing players that is the sign of a very good team they have more far more depth than you might imagine um they have summoned 53 shots in their last three games now so the fact that it you know you might say a bit harsh on Wales that it was four in most games it should have been five six or seven so they are um shooting for fun they are beautiful to watch they started, I think, slightly nervously, maybe because of the changes that were enforced. Why wouldn't they start nervously in, 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 in the huge context of it all? Because they've had a lot of spotlight on them, far more than they would have had normally. But they grew, they, they got through that. They grew and grew and grew so that, um, honestly, if people, weren't, if people weren't already in love with them, they are now. And the only teams that have beaten them in the last 32 games are Finland and you can argue that doesn't count because they shouldn't have carried on playing that game and they've lost to Belgium quite a lot of times and all that does say to me is that um, they're, <laughs> they're due to beat, beat a team ranked number one in the world because they've learned enough from you learn from defeat so I can't see what can stop them this has got absolutely nothing to do with the fact that I predicted they'd win the tournament three and a half months ago I promise <laughs> What I took from that was that you were about to say Belgium's going to be the team that's going to knock them out, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> well, you know, we'll see, we'll see. Um, I thought they they passed very, very well today, crisply, intelligently, moved the ball really, really well. Kasper Dolberg is, has always been, for me, a really frustrating player because he's capable of fantastic moments. And the first goal, I thought, was brilliant. The, ball, the way the ball moved from outside the post to in, nothing Danny Ward could have done about it in the Wales goal. Lovely, lovely finish. And he was influential throughout. He plays as this sort of false nine almost, likes to pick up pockets, fantastic feet, good finisher as well 
And he just, for me, should have done so much more. I mean, I put him in the almost like the Nicola Bentner, Nicholas Bentner category. You know, he's someone that you just, he believes his own greatness a little bit too much as far as I'm concerned. The celebration for the first goal summed it up. Listen, I'm not against Kasper Dolberg. He's a great, great player. I just want even more Kasper Dolberg and maybe a smile next time he scores as well. Um, Ian, what did you make of Denmark's performance? Uh, yeah, they were, they, they, I thought they were really impressive. And they... Yeah, they showed that they, as 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 Tom said earlier, they had they had clear scenarios worked out, and they had the flexibility to to enact them. And they kept, you know, they kept showing that they had resources off the bench. Not only because, effectively, what they've lost, they've lost possibly their their most trustworthy attacking players, Ericsson and Poulsen, before this. Um, but you know, they bought on players who did really well as well. I mean. Um, you know, Cornelius came on and 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 out Kiefer Maud, Kiefer Maud, didn't he? Um, <laughs> Cornelius, who some people would remember from an absolutely disastrous time at Cardiff City, I think. Is that right? Yeah, he was awful, yeah. absolutely awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the com- the com- the commentator went on about, um, oh, I didn't see any of this skill when he was at Cardiff. That was in 2014. Give the man yeah, a break. Yeah. That's quite a long time ago. We are being quite harsh. Was it a Welsh commentator? It was a welcome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Netherlands up next for Denmark or the Czech Republic. Of course, we'll talk about that game in 24 hours time. Tom Clark, who do you think it will be, though? And are you confident Denmark can beat whichever team they play next? Well, I've got to back my boys in orange, haven't I, after saying they were going to be the surprise package and everyone's other favourite team after Denmark. I think that could be a great game. I, I, I must confess... And obviously, I'd, I'd back Wales to perform a lot better and to actually potentially get a win in this game. What was most impressive for me about this Denmark performance was that was the actual football. That, that it, there's obviously the big spirit factor and momentum is still there and will be there for as long as they're in the tournament. But the performances of some of the players, as you say, Hugh Dolberg, showing the kind of why he's been so hyped through his young career. He's still only 23, so maybe he'll finally fulfil his potential, Hugh. Or maybe he'll be one of those strikers who just does really well at one international tournament and that'll be his career forever. I mean, I, like some of the players, I mean, Marla at left-back, I know you were saying that he was over, over-egging his celebrations, but I mean, that pass for the first goal, if I'd played that kind of a pass, splitting the lines on a diagonal, I'd probably be out on the pitch afterwards as well, rallying the, rallying the crowd. But... I think so. I think if they if it is if it's Holland, it'll be a very tight game, and I'm going to, for once, as much as I love a prediction, sit on the fence completely. Uh, we will talk about the Netherlands against the Czech Republic, which I think will be a cracking game uh, tomorrow, of course. But let's move to the second game of Saturday. It happened at Wembley Stadium, and it went. We've got our first game into extra time, so we've recorded this a little bit later than we would have usually, but we had to wait uh, for, of course. Uh, Italy to complete what was a sensational 30 minutes at the end of the game in extra time wasn't as great from them for the first 90. Austria, everyone thought, were possibly on the verge of, of the first big shock of the tournament. I think they deserve a lot of credit for the Italians. They did what maybe so many people were waiting for them to do, which was instead of beating teams 3-0, grind out a result as Italian teams have done so many times over the years. It's now 12 straight wins for them, an unbeaten run up to 31, I believe. But Ian, Austria, Austria will be gutted by this result. Oh, yes. I mean, they, they, were, they, they were, you know, they were magnificent. They were, they were really well organised. They, they knew what they were about. They, they're, they're big players performed to to character, shall we say, um, and I'm thinking of Arnautovic in this, 
He was yellow carded, I think it was within seconds, possibly over a minute of the start. And um, he was in Anthony Taylor's face throughout, but but he was he was fantastic and he really, really uh, worried Italy until he ran out of steam because, um, uh, you know, 120 minutes and he'd, he'd, he'd worked really hard. Um, Alaba was great, except unfortunately for the opening goal, which was in extra time when... There's always a, th- a sense with Alaba in Austria that, that that he is trying to do absolutely everything because he's so good at almost everything on the left-hand half of the pitch. And, yeah, he just left a little gap. And Chiesa came in and scored a very, very clever, well-taken goal, which puts Italy 1-0 up. And then yet another substitute scored the second. And and from then on, they were almost cruising, but but... An extraordinary headed goal brought Austria a slight bit of hope at the end of a very dramatic extra time. Um, but brilliant, absolutely brilliant game. Brilliant two hours. Yeah, I could have watched another two hours of that. I, th- I think Italy maybe had too much quality off the bench. Chiesa, of course, who you mentioned, Federico Chiesa. Pessina got the other goal. He came off the bench as well. Uh, Tom, you're a bit like me. You're the Football Italia generation. How old did you feel when Chiesa scored that goal? <laughs> pretty old, yeah. Pretty old. I was discussing it with friends. <laughs> being like, oh, gosh, no. And look look how old he looks. He look, you know, he could. He's, he's our age, right? No, no, Tom. No, he's definitely not. It was a fantastic goal as well, wasn't it? It was one of those goals mm, that yeah. a professional footballers make look quite simple. But for any normal normal person, not you know, playing six aside, that would have bounced above your head. You wouldn't have been able to bring it down. Second touch, shift it inside, and then a great finish. It was a really, really impressive goal. Um, I've seen him play a few times for Juventus in the past year, and he looks quite a clever player. Um, so I wonder whether he might now have a case to start. Berardi, for me, on the right, has been a little bit inconsistent in a team that has been very consistently good. So I wonder whether Mancini will be thinking about starting him in the next game. I mean, yeah, I should also say on behalf of myself and Gregor Robertson, an apology to all Austrian fans after our after our very dismissive comments in the previous show about Austria and having nothing, very little to offer this tournament, Gregor and I were both <laughs> discussing as we watched that game, thank God Italy have won. Basically, had to would have had to resign <laughs> from ever podcasting ever about football. Hinteregger and Schlager were, were both brilliant. I'd said before the game that none of their players had particularly impressed me and left a mark both of them. I'll never forget you guys, honestly. Um, so, <laughs> so I just hold my hands up. But I mean, it's, a, it's great to see Italy go through, isn't it? I mean, Pessina as well, that celebration of the tournament for me, the, the much maligned, underused, arms by the side, face plant dive. That, you, know, that, <laughs> you don't see that enough in football, I don't think. All this kind of fancy pose for the camera, slide on the knees, look at me. You know, this was just like, I've no idea what I'm going to do. I'm completely delirious. Let's just dive on the floor and have my mates jump on top of me. Brilliant. He has a, a quite a repertoire of celebrations. He went absolutely berserk, didn't he, in uh, in Rome after scoring against Wales. Threw himself towards Roberto Mancini. So, I mean, it's possible Mancini said, ha, ha, ha. No more of that. Do something else this time. <laughs> Although Gianluca Vialli seemed to have uh, taken the mould, running down from a few steps back to embrace Roberto Mancini, the bromance of what decades now continues. Yeah, I love that moment. So I love great. that moment. And what a great cardigan as well from Vialli. The only man. I mean, I'm in London tonight. It's pretty muggy. You don't need a cardi on. And that he's just there chilling out. It's pretty tense as well, watching his team in extra time. Got a massive wool cardion. Italians just the different different league altogether, aren't they? 
Alison, uh, can we call this any favourites? Yeah, obviously I, I tipped them. I'm just going to mention it pre-tournament. <laughs> you know, motoring along very... Well, she was talking about Denmark. Why can't I talk? My, you talked about the Netherlands. And yeah, 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 it's yeah, my yeah. turn. No, good. Yeah, <laughs> thanks very much. <laughs> Do you think they're favourites? Yeah, Alison, then? I think you can interpret the game two ways, can't you? They were... Um, I thought they were good first half, actually. I thought Italy played well and uh, they were very elegant. But second half... Uh, if I was, if I'd put a lot of money on Italy to win the tournament, I'd be a bit worried about what happened in that second half. They didn't seem to knit very much together at all, and they allowed they allowed Austria far too much time. And um, if Austria had the ability for, for, to, to to deliver decent final passes, they they could have they could have easily won. It was just they were just let down with their final ball. I felt it was. It was quite easy to carve a way through them. And yes, they're going to get loads of plaudits now for use of substitutes and having, um, and, and we know they do have um, an excellent B team. I mean, they've got probably the strongest entire squad in the tournament, I think. But that can be a disadvantage because you you can make so many changes or have so many options that, it, you know, if it, if it doesn't click, it, it, can take, it can take 45 minutes to grind back into place, which is exactly what happens. So I'm not... I think I yeah. If I I just I'm worried about that second that second forty five minutes because Tom, you do not need to be revisionist about how you slagged off. Let's put it how it was how you slagged off Austria. <laughs> or we all did. We all did. But that, whoa, whoa, that, that whoa! Doesn't, that doesn't I just mean, asked the questions. That <laughs> I didn't slag mean, anyone off. <laughs> that doesn't mean you know we, we we were we were fibbing or we'd got it completely wrong. We, we were judging what we'd seen so far, and they were one of the least inspiring teams at the tournament and they didn't look like they would offer terrible terribly much and they didn't have much depth and they summoned you know they summoned resources and energy we we had not seen evidence of at all and you can it's quite it's quite legitimate to say they had a disappointing group phase but when it came to the last 16 they really upped their game and gave it everything and were almost close to heroic i mean they were incredibly entertaining but we hadn't seen any evidence of that so there's no need there's no need to be embarrassed about saying they had been boring there really isn't but because Italy are the team that are through i i do worry that now they were scary they're not scary now because the next team they meet will look at that second 45 minutes and think aha well, I, th I think they summoned that, that energy from their manager. It was infectious, wasn't it? Franco Foda, the way he screamed at the start of, of extra time, maybe gave them a little bit too much energy because they conceded two goals, of course, and maybe lost um, th their, their calmness throughout the game in that period of time. But I think, I think Austria were really, really good. And I think it was just an indication of how difficult the knockout phase will be. But let me respond to your earlier point. As someone who did put a lot of money on Italy, I'm still <laughs> feeling very, very confident. So I'm not worried at all. Well, like, okay. I really, no, honestly, here, I really want to know why does that second 45 minutes not worry you then? No, no team is perfect in this competition. I look at France, Belgium, they've all had dips. I didn't expect Italy to play well in every single game. I don't expect any nation to play good in every single match. But the fact that they they got it out of the way against Austria. They're going to learn from it. They're going to come back stronger, you know. And also, I think that a lot of the teams will in this uh, round of 16 
not play the way that we thought they would because a lot of the big teams, you know, got the group stage out of the way in the first two matches, rested or changed the formation in that final match, and they're just getting back up to speed. Listen, Alison, just relax, okay? You know, my money is secure right now. I'm very, very confident. I mean, I might not be as confident when I see who wins the game tomorrow and the performances uh, between Belgium and Portugal. What a game we've got coming up in Seville tomorrow night. The winner awaits uh, Italy, of course. Now... I don't know how to see this one because I could ask you a question about whether Italy match up well against Belgium or Portugal or we just look ahead to the game between the two of them because I think it could be absolutely brilliant. But I don't know how to call it. Ian Hawkey, what do you think we're going to see in Seville? I think we will see some brilliance, but I but but I suspect we will we will see a little bit of caution at the beginning from both teams. I think you know Portugal Portugal trust themselves to be to be quite crabby, to try and gain control of a, a game by being hard to beat. Now, I say they trust themselves. Obviously, they couldn't really trust themselves against Germany. That was shown. But I think their tendency is to is to back themselves to do that. And I, and, and I think they will, they will be a little bit cautious given Belgium's firepower. I, 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 what I... What I what I'm not sure about is, is, is how proactive right from the start Belgium will be. And I think, I think that's quite, that's, that's interesting. Belgium are vulnerable that, you know, that defense will be vulnerable against a, an aggressive Cristiano Ronaldo supported by the very creative players he has around him. So um, I think it's quite hard to call, but but I will call it. I think Belgium will win. I tend to agree with you as well. I think Belgium will win this game, Tom. I think Portugal might grind it out, as Ian hinted at there. They've got a lot of experience in that side as well as talent. And I'm just not fully convinced about Belgium when it's their moment, if you know what I mean. You know, this, is, this has been seen as their tournament in lots of respects. The team, people are tipping after France as the obvious winners. Um and I, I just wonder with Martin, Roberto Martinez and some of those players, whether being the favourites in this game and being the team that will be asked to take control of the game, probably, as Ian says, Portugal might be happy to kind of, you know, sit back, grind it out, say, say to Belgium, okay, well, that's over to you. You dictate how this is going to go down. Um, I'm not sure whether that suits Martinez's side. And so I, yeah, I could see a kind of one nil Portugal goal in like the 60th minute grinding it out type performance. I don't know. And a lot will rest on Kevin De Bruyne as well, won't it? We talked about how going into these knockout stages, we'd seen one half of football from him and it was one of the best performances of the tournament so far. So if he's on the pitch, they've got every chance. But I'm just not fully convinced about Belgium as a team overall and under under the management of Martinez. After your prediction about Austria, that means Belgium are winning 5-0. Alison, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, uh, well, it's the ultimate underperforming team against the ultimate overperforming team and Portugal know that they can which is which Belgium number one in the world don't do it do they They keep, we keep, it's not just this tournament we've been told it's their tournament they're supposed to have been you know the team for quite a while now and they don't quite know how to win a tournament whereas Portugal are highly adept at it and they've got somebody in their ranks who who I don't know what he's done, sold his soul to someone or something, but he will, he just, just his very presence on the pitch, I think, 
is that we've always, I think people have often thought, oh, it must be awful being in the same team as Cristiano Ronaldo because he wants the spotlight and he wants, he growls at you if you don't pass to him, even if you've got a really good chance. He thinks he, it's all about him. But the flip side of that is you've got Cristiano Ronaldo in your team who believes he owns the world. So I just think there's an arrogance there that Belgium don't have. And while that's really nice not to be arrogant, when it comes to knockout football, I think it's an advantage. So if you pushed me, I'd say I think probably Portugal will do it. I mean, if you've seen the size of his contracts at Juventus, he might well own the world, to be perfectly honest. It might not just be one of his beliefs. Um, Ronaldo or Lukaku, Ian, you know, who's going to be the tougher talisman to stop? And of course, there's De Bruyne too, but so many great players uh, in the Portugal squad. You know, it's, it's a smorgasbord, but the two big names in forward areas, Lukaku or Ronaldo, who do you think is tougher to stop? Yeah, it was interesting that, that um, Alison described absolutely accurately uh, the arrogance of Ronaldo. I mean, I, I think Lukaku is entitled to, to be a little bit arrogant now in his incredibly articulate and uh, and erudite way. I mean, he is, you know, his form this year is magnificent and his Belgium know to play to him. And I, you know, I think he is, he's not unstoppable, but I think he will be, he will be really scary for Pepe and, and Ruben Dias, who is, you know, who is, who does occasionally have chinks in his armour. I think, um, if it was a choice, I'd go with Ronaldo because he hasn't exactly been out of form this tournament. But uh, but you know, I, I think I think Lukaku is. He hasn't is exactly been in, in form, has he? Well, I, 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 have we quarrelled about this before? Um, he's taken a lot of penalties quite well. Um, uh, but I just, I mean, even even in that. Uh, that that heavy defeat, I suppose, against Germany. I, I, I'm still I'm still bowled over by that goal, which which you know he, which was just so Roy of the Rovers, wasn't it? Heads the ball clear from his own area, sprints very unlike a 37 year old man to the other end and scores. I mean, only Ronaldo. Only Ronaldo. We'll see what happens. It's going to be a cracking game. Instead of doing score predictions, I think we'll just you know you're all journalists. You know you've got away with words. Four word match prediction. I wonder if I can put you on the spot and you can come up with a four-word match prediction for Belgium versus Portugal. Of course, you can include the players' names. Tom Clark? Tight, tense, Ronaldo, penalty. <laughs> Alison? I love Dries Mertens. <laughs> <laughs> Ian? Eden Hazard is back. <laughs> Brilliant. We'll see exactly how the game goes tomorrow. We'll be uh, recording straight off the back of the full-time whistle, whether it's extra time and penalties. It could be that tight and tense, as Tom predicts. Uh, we'll see if Therese Mertens or Eden Hazard make the difference as well. Tom Clark, Alison Rudd, Ian Hawkey, thank you for being with me on this episode of The Game. And for all of you for listening as well, remember, make sure you're subscribed to The Times and The Sunday Times right now for all of our great Euro 2020 content from our journalists all over Europe. Just go online, search thetimes.co.uk forward slash the game to begin your free trial. We'll see you tomorrow. Cue the music from The Third Man. Mm-hmm.